Martech Stack to episode 20 with Edward Ford. Brought to you by Content Cow. Plan, collaborate on, approve, and publish your content in one simple and intuitive calendar interface. This is Martech Stacked, the weekly show that delves into the what, which, why, and how of marketing technology. I'm your host, David Bain. And each episode, I'll be chatting with a top marketer or a top technologist about what MarTech they use, which are their top tools, why they use the tools that they do, and how they integrate everything together as part of their overarching content marketing strategy and MarTech stack. I'm joined today by a Helsinki-based growth marketer who specializes in scaling up B2Bs and SaaS marketing. He's host of the Growth Hub podcast and marketing director at Supermetrics. Welcome to Martech Stacked, Edward Ford. David, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Great to have you on. Um, of course, you can find Edward over at supermetrics.com. So, Edward, explain what Supermetrics does and how it works with other marketing technology. Yeah, sure. So, briefly, I guess at the end of the day, Supermetrics is really about helping marketers and marketing teams build and grow their businesses using the data that is available to them. Of course, there's a huge amount of marketing technology products out there. I think you'll know more than most people. And we have actually over half a million people using our products, including marketers primarily, but also data scientists and data engineers who use Supermetrics to basically move data from popular marketing platforms, such as Facebook, Facebook ads, Instagram, Google Ads and HubSpot to destinations like Google Sheets, Google Data Studio, Excel, various BI tools and data warehouses like BigQuery, for example. So it's really about helping marketers move data from A to B, combine data from all their siloed marketing platforms. And we integrate with around 50 to 60 different marketing platforms. So those are obviously the most popular ones. And our focus is on building integrations that go really deep so that you can pull pretty much whatever metric or dimension is available through the API. We promise that with Supermetrics, you'll be able to pull that. And the products are pretty simple to use. I think if you know how to use those destination products like spreadsheets or dashboarding tools, then you pretty much know how to use Supermetrics. It's just a case of having uh, an add-on that will then pull data from whichever platform you want. And we have over 14,000 customers in over 120 countries. And an interesting data point is that about 10% of all global ad spend is reported through our products. So a, a big and important customer segment for us is performance marketers, PPC marketers, who are working with uh, paid budgets. So that is, in a nutshell, what we do at Supermetrics and how we integrate and work with other MarTech uh, products. Okay, great. And um, in terms of who you tend to work with or who your um, who Supermetrics tends to work, work with within organizations, um, is the job title more kind of head and data and insights type person with uh, a marketer just viewing the data um, rather than actually setting things up? Uh, that's a super good question. It's something we've been talking about a lot and that has changed now more recently. So I think if you'd asked this two years ago or when Supermetrics got started, it was very much targeting the marketer who's on the front lines doing a lot of the dirty work. So marketing managers, PPC, uh, marketing manager, digital marketer, th those kinds of people. And they re remain a, a super important customer segment for us. And 
our original products were self-serve. So it's very easy to get started with Supermetrics and the barrier for entry was really low. But then now without more advanced products, so I mentioned you could bring your marketing data into a marketing data warehouse like Google BigQuery. So that product and our API as well, it's a little more complicated. Uh, typically requires a bit of SQL knowledge as well. And there we're seeing a lot more interest from head of data and insights or head of analytics or head of data engineering. So it's it's often marketing analytics and data teams working together. So you have marketers who need to find insights from their data. You have data engineers who will actually build the infrastructure. And then you have the analysts who are in between who are working with marketers and trying to provide the answers that they have, but then also working with data teams and engineering teams to make sure that the infrastructures are okay and that products meet certain security guidelines and so forth. So it is changing and has changed over time. And, and now we're definitely speaking more to the insights, analysts, uh, data scientists, and data engineers as uh, key customer segments for us. Yeah, I, I would have thought that would be the case uh, because in the past I've worked for small startups where I've been the only marketer, but I've also worked in uh, larger organizations where there's been hundreds of marketers and um, different teams of data specialists. And I would imagine if certainly that is a section of your core clients, then you're going to have a different person to sell to um, compared with um, um, the, the person that actually sets up um, the, the use of supermetrics to the person that actually uses the products on, a, on an ongoing basis. And that, that, that must have particular challenges. Yeah, that, that's right. I think many marketers uh, face this challenge as well when you have different buyers versus users and then you have stakeholders who are decision makers or gatekeepers. Uh, and then so do as you, well... Do, do, yeah, go ahead. Do you, sorry, do, do, do you market to the marketer in the organizations or do you market to the decision maker? Uh, a bit of both. So with our enterprise products, we need to reach all those different people. So often we find that particularly in bigger organizations, it needs to be on the CMO's agenda, the understanding of the importance of data and analytics and having good foundations in place, making sure your data is available and that you can use the data in an effective way because your competition will, will most certainly be doing that. And so they often trigger or initiate the need in larger companies uh, here, this example is, is about, and then we also need to reach analysts because, of course, if they're getting requests from marketing to provide insights and they need to then obviously gather all their marketing data in the most efficient and effective way. So we need to speak to that audience. Uh, so I think those would be sort of two key audiences that we're, we're trying to reach. And then I think during the sales process, it's more about helping the teams who will build that infrastructure. So this is often when data engineers come come into the picture that we can answer their questions anything regarding security uh, that they might have, uh, we can um, answer. So kind of mapping out that journey is a bit tricky. And compared to Supermetrics uh, core products, which I mentioned are like Supermetrics for Excel or Google Sheets or Data Studio, it's almost plug and play. It's a self-serve funnel. And Supermetrics actually didn't have a single salesperson until we were around 5 million in ARR. And now we are building up a sales team and with our bigger enterprise deals and our more complex products. Uh, so our data warehousing products, they, they go through the sales team. So for us in marketing, we've also had to shift internally to set up not just the self-serve funnel, but also the sales assisted funnel, which changes 
internal processes, it changes. Uh, different demand gen tactics, channels that we focus on, uh, requiring a greater, closer relationship with sales, it's sales enablement, uh, internal product marketing, not just external product marketing. So uh, yeah, it, it's it's definitely challenging, but super fun and keeps us busy for sure during the days. I'm sure. So in our conversation today, we're not just looking into Supermetrics, we're looking into marketing technology, your use of marketing technology within Supermetrics as well. So starting off within, uh, starting off with number three, what are your top three tools in your current MarTech stack and why? Yeah, so by top, I, I'm kind of looking at most used, I would say. So I'm kind of thinking about it that way, as well as, of course, the the most important. So kind of in reverse order and of course myself working in the marketing team and we're doing uh, a lot of demand gen and uh, content marketing is a big, uh, cha- big, big tactic for us uh, and a big play for us. So SEMrush, I would say is uh, number three. So of course we use that for a lot of keyword research, uh, identifying different opportunities in terms of topics we can write about. Uh, we do do a lot of customer research and I think marketing to marketers and, and being involved in MarTech ourselves uh, is always fun and we know the, the audience quite well, so to speak. So uh, we do do a lot of customer research and have a lot of ideas in terms of things we, we can create. But of course, SEMrush is, is super helpful there. It can help us track different projects we have and I used to use that quite a bit, but now when we hired our first full-time dedicated content marketer, she has kind of jumped in and taken over that. Um, so another important thing to understand in terms of why SEMrush is important is that for us, we are really building out a search-first content strategy. So we are looking at opportunities where people are searching for high-intent uh, search terms where our product will actually provide a solution. So really niche terms like it could be moving tabular ad data to data studio or moving outbrain data into a spreadsheet so our product will actually provide the perfect solution for people who are searching for things like that so uh, that that is uh, definitely very important to us number two is a product that i'm not sure everyone would be familiar with it's a bit of a, a niche uh, marketing automation slash customer data platform called Exponia. I believe it's based out of Slovakia, if I'm not uh, incorrect. And that is sort of the engine, I would say, of a lot of what we do. It's at the heart of our MarTech stack. And that is a pretty powerful customer data platform. So all our customer contacts are, are there in Exponia. All our product onboarding is run through Exponia. So when people start a new trial for any of our products, uh, our email automation is uh, done through there. If we're doing more top of funnel offers, like signing up for a webinar, then we need to sync it through Exponia. And the cool thing with that is that it also syncs with the product so that we can get product-based indicators. So if we want to look at people who have run a query for a niche connector, um, say something like Taboola or Outbrain, then we could find that in Exponia and send out some targeted messaging. If we want to look at people who run a query on a certain product in a certain time frame, we can find that. So it, it's a super powerful tool. You can get a lot of granularity. But the flip side of it is that it's 
quite complex and a little tricky to use if you've never used it before. So I grew up on HubSpot and of course HubSpot, I think many marketers love it. It's it's a dream to use, it's super easy and it has like a lot of uh, power available to you. Uh, Exponia definitely has, I would say even more power, but it's it's quite complex and you almost need to have an engineer like mentality to, to figure things out. And the other thing is that it doesn't integrate with as many tools as I would like. <laughs> So it can be a bit challenging. Uh, so an example would be like with webinars. So we've started doing uh, a few more webinars. I think like many other companies started in the spring. And if we have a sign up page for a webinar on our website and someone would sign up, fill in the form, then they would be added to Exponia and not go to webinar, which is what we're using for our webinars. So what you need to do is that there is no integration between Exponia and GoToWebinar. So you have to manually export a list of people who signed up, move them into GoToWebinar, and then they will get uh, notifications and so forth from there. So that means a sort of, if we have a webinar next week, like we do when we're recording this, it's about every couple of days, (laughs) taking out all the names, manually exporting them into (laughs) GoToWebinar, and then sending them the the sort of info in uh, GoToWebinar so, so, it, so it certainly sounds like Exponia is important for you, but you've got a bit of a love-hate relationship with it. Yeah, um, I think that's yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's a, a very good way of saying it. I think especially for uh, our, our core onboarding and everything regarding like free trials and stuff, it, it's super super good. Uh, and our growth team are definitely the ones who are the power users of that. Uh, and we're often asking them uh, for tips and advice and, and help. But then there are a few few things that could be better. But I think that's always the way with Martech that you. You can never get anything perfect. And with so many different tools and technologies, there's, there's often a bit of stitching things together needed. And, so, t- 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 talking about stitching things together, uh, have you yeah. tried um, the Zapier integration for actually taking um, s- sign-ups f- to, is it, I can't remember if you're getting people to sign up through GoToMeeting or you're getting people to sign up through Exponia for your webinars, Wh- which um, software are you using to actually get people to sign up to begin with? Yeah, so we we have looked into Zapier. I will take a, another look actually now that you bring it up to see if there is a zap between Exponia and GoToWebinar. Yeah, I, seem to I remember mean, when we first looked, it was not so common, but that might have changed actually. You, you could probably um, do something in between, like a Google Sheet, and at least to get people um, signed up, going to a Google Sheet, and then taking that information into Exponia or into GoToWebinar, whichever way around you're doing it. Yeah. I think there's probably several ways you can do it. Uh, I guess we just need to figure out the the most efficient it's, shortcut. But at this stage, it, it, we, we it, haven't exactly. It it's it's um it, it's still not an ideal situation, but it's better than doing it manually, I would imagine. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> and and you, you mentioned SEM Rush as well as being the third um, most important tool at the beginning, and you also talked about content marketing there. Now SEM Rush have changed. Sorry, I say SEM Rush rather than SEM Rush. Um, there's, there's yeah, true. T- there's, there seems <laughs> to be two groups. There's the <laughs> SEM Rush and the SEM Rush group. So we need to check with the the team in Saint Petersburg. Uh, They're just well, up the road from us in Helsinki. I, 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 Okay, that's right. Wow, I've I've had um I've done some work for SEM Rush in the past, and I've had several several conversations with people in SEM Rush. And to be honest with you, they do they they, they pronounce it differently as well, just depending on I think what okay. they feel like at the time. So <laughs> I don't yeah. know if there's any. I always find SEM Rush is a bit easier. Than yeah, SEM yeah, Rush yeah. Takes less uh, effort. Exactly. Yeah, maybe I should start um, uh, using less effort. <laughs> um, the question I was going to ask you in relation to that was you mentioned content marketing quite a bit. 
in your description of why that particular tool was useful to you. Uh, I know that um, Asimrush have changed or have improved and added to their platform quite a bit over the last couple of years to include things like um, kind of paid search data and social media insights as well. Are, are you just using it for content marketing and to power your SEO at the moment? Primarily, that's our main use case for, for Semrush uh, at this stage. So I know they have quite a few other things as well. Uh, but I would say at least with how we use it, it's primarily driven as part of our content marketing efforts. Okay, okay, great. And in terms of your selection of um, Exponia, um, did you, were you involved in, in the selection of that software or did that exist prior to you starting at Supermetrics? Yeah, so that existed before I joined. So I joined the very beginning of 2019 and I think the decision to take it into use was done in late 2018. So it was a relatively new technology and was still in the process of being integrated. When I started, uh, I think it was chosen, of course, because it is super powerful and integrates with the product. And for a SaaS company like us, there was a, a lot of benefits uh, there. And I think the other factor is that um, our head of data used to work at Exponia. Uh, okay. So he, he knew the tool very well. and and. Uh, obviously knew the founders and, and was uh, like a core member of the team before he joined Supermetric. So I, I'm pretty sure that had some influence as well. <laughs> the, the only thing I'd say about um, Exponia is to me, it looks like a tool that's primarily targeted at um, at online retail. Um, the, the, it, it, I mean, it talks about um, e-commerce, but um, the brands that they showcase on their homepage includes River Island, Arcadia, DFS, Sophology. Um, so traditional brands that are now trying to make a success of it online. Um, is, is, is that not a, f a fair summary of what Exponia is largely targeting? I'm not actually sure about that. It could be. And I guess SaaS is essentially e-commerce at the end of the day, at least if you're sure. running self-serve SaaS, like Supermetrics is and the, the majority of our revenue comes through the self so funnel so um yeah i i think that would probably make sense for them okay great okay well we, we've got uh SMrush is your tool number three we've got exponia as your tool number two what is your tool number one yeah I, w I was thinking a bit about this and i think i kind of could add a caveat to exponia that tied to that would be salesforce our sales team used that very heavily and now with the sales assisted funnel uh that's super important and a lot of work has gone into uh, integrating Exponia with Salesforce during the first half of this year. Uh, now, I might be biased here, but I think definitely what, one of our top tools would be Supermetrics itself. So we're power users of our own tool. We drink our own champagne or eat our own dog food, depending which metaphor you, you like more. And I think, of course, at the end of the day, it's, it's really about making sure we're able to use the data uh, that we have available as best we can. Uh, reporting and analytics is super important. And when we're growing so quickly with a pretty high volume funnel, a lot of people coming in, we generate uh, around 10,000 free trials every month. So uh, it's good for us to understand how we're performing. And we use our different products in many different ways. So uh, for example, in a the content team, we're using it to pull data from Google Analytics into a spreadsheet uh, and looking at blog performance. Uh, Dimitri, who is running our paid marketing, he uses it a lot to look at the performance of different campaigns on all our different channels and uh, across different channels. 
And then uh, our growth team are also doing some pretty advanced stuff with it uh, in BigQuery. So spinning up all our data into BigQuery and building all these different reports for us in marketing, for the management team, uh, for the board to to kind of dig deeper and try and answer some really specific questions. So uh, that, that's very important to us. So I think those are probably the three most important tools that we're using. And I think the three that we're probably using uh, most actively, particularly Exponia uh, and Supermetrics for sure on a, on a daily, uh, if not hourly basis. Great. Okay. I'd like to dive into Supermetrics a little bit more um, because you mentioned um, things like um, you're looking at um, your blog uh, performance, you're looking at your PPC performance as well. Um, so I'd like to dive into the specific KPIs that you're looking at, because I think one of the challenges with all the data that's available to marketers nowadays is actually to identify the specific metrics that are most important to to be keeping an eye on on a regular basis. So I'd like to just understand the the, the metrics that are most important for you in different areas of your business. But just before we get yeah. there, you also touched on Salesforce as well, and yeah. uh, a couple of conversations I've had with other people haven't been that positive about Salesforce because of the amount of time that it's taken different organizations to set things up and get things up and running. But the sound of it, it's a fairly enterprise level tool. And if you have a few people in-house that really embrace it and work with it and personalize the use of it, then you, you can probably really get full advantage of that. Um, do, do, do you have uh, only positive things to, to say about your use of Salesforce? I think for the most part, our sales team would. I know that... Uh people in our sales team have used Salesforce before and obviously know it quite well. Um, I think it's quite interesting. Maybe it's part of the Salesforce's strategy to make it such a big effort to get everything set up that you then don't want to churn and switch to something else because the, the pain would be too much. But um, yeah, I mean, I I don't really use Salesforce too actively, not being in the sales team. Um, so I can't necessarily speak to that. But I think for the most part, it's uh, I, I hear positive things, at least within Supermetrics. And I know it's pretty powerful. Okay, great. Okay, well, back to Supermetrics. Let's um, have yeah. a little talk about those metrics because I think that um, one of the reasons that a marketer would want to to use Supermetrics is to, to dive into data and know very, very quickly um, whether a particular campaign or, I guess, traffic referral source um, is worthwhile spending more time on in the future. So what kind of KPIs do you yeah. tend to zero in on? Yeah, and I think that's a super good question. And it ties back to the fact that there's so much data out there that it's not about just getting all your data and looking at it and having this huge complex spreadsheet or over the top dashboard. But the most important thing is trying to figure out, okay, what is actually important for me or for us as a marketing team or for me as an individual contributor? And then figuring that out because you can just be blinded or overwhelmed by data. And you also need to understand why you look at data it's about improving and understanding what's working so we kind of have things on a sort of team level and then on an individual level so for us as a, a marketing team we're really zeroed in on a couple of north stars so the first is trials we know that trials correlates to revenue and we also understand like roughly how many trials we're generating for our different products and we of course want to monitor that over time uh, so that would be the first and then ARR, so annual recurring revenue, is is the other thing. I think that's what it's about at the end of the day. No matter what you do in marketing or what your specialization is, it's all about contributing to that. 
uh, bottom line and we have our self-serve funnel and we have our sales assisted funnel. So obviously looking at uh, revenue generated directly through the self-serve funnel, since that's pretty much marketing plus growth plus product plus customer success. Uh, and then we have our sales assisted funnel where uh, people have the chance to actually speak with someone in our sales team and discuss about different options. And particularly with our more complex products, then that can't just happen over uh, a credit card transaction on the internet. So uh, looking at that as well and making sure our sales teams have enough opportunities to work. Uh, so those are some things we look at. And then on a more granular level, it's more about the individual. So I mentioned uh, someone like Dimitri, he's going to be looking at very specific numbers for Facebook ads campaigns, LinkedIn ads campaigns, Google AdWords, and so forth, looking at CPAs, uh, ROAS, and so forth. And he does share things with us, but it's more for his own personal use uh, in, in his role as a performance marketer. And then uh, my colleague Pina, who is uh, heading up our content marketing, then she's going to be looking at very different KPIs, which wouldn't necessarily be of huge interest to, to others, but for her, it's super important to look at how we're doing in terms of traffic to the blog in particular through uh, organic, because that's a, a big play for us. And a lot of our efforts go into organic traffic acquisition. And then in addition to that, looking at how many trials we're generating through the blog so that we can understand the, the contribution content is having. And then uh, another thing we're speaking about on more of a team level going forward is is brand awareness and figuring out different ways how we can measure that. So that is something we're we're kind of picking up as a key focus area for Q3 because of course that is that is super important. It's a bit more hard to quantify, um, but I think definitely important when you want to grow a big business that that you need to have a, a pretty strong brand and uh, keeping track of that is is important. So we're kind of trying to figure that out right now. Do you know how long your average purchase funnel tends to be? Because obviously if someone discovers you through organic, through your blog, perhaps um, it, it, may, it may be several months, I guess, until they've actually decided to make um, that, that, that purchase. So, so is it fairly long? And if so, how, do you manage to actually track people during that time? Yeah, we can see how long it takes people to, to purchase because uh, we can sort of see the first touch and then from when they start a trial as the sort of mid-touch to then when does the purchase take place. And I think with our self-serve products, it's actually quite a short sales cycle, especially when you compare it to our enterprise products that go through the sales assisted funnel. So you're sort of look, looking at kind of weeks for, for yeah. the shorter sales cycle, but then for the uh, sales assisted deal, some might take uh, much, much longer for our enterprise products. Uh, it's going to be looking at months, but even our sales team can close deals pretty quickly uh, as well. I'm, I'm glad you're looking at brand as well. I think that um, a lot of digital marketers um, tend to focus on the channels that are most likely to result in an immediate sign up to begin with, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the the only channel that they should be focusing in on. And um, I, I had a great conversation with Lou Grenier from Hotjar and um, he was saying that um, people convert very quickly in a, in a day or so, but um, he was saying it's essentially impossible to measure the, the true impact of uh, every single medium because people 
hear of Hotjar through perhaps a podcast interview or through some other source that's just impossible to to track and they they, they do do a lot of brand work as well um so so are you actually going to be putting more marketing budget behind activities that you can't measure over the coming year i think i think things you you can measure but i think it's hard to quantify that so i I think we're definitely thinking a lot more about brand and have done so during the first half of this year we did a, a big website overhaul and i think one of the good things about that project is that it really helped us rethink like okay who are we are who are we what do we stand for and how do we want people to talk about us uh, and there's a few other things we're, we're going to be doing um, this year and beyond i think that will be sort of more brand marketing rather than specific demand gen channel specific tactical stuff of course we'll be doing that as well uh, but i think the, the point louis had is is spot on and i think that an example could be if people are talking about supermetrics and referring us to colleagues or peers in marketing and then they might do uh, a quick search and uh, a quick checkout to try out the product and you don't necessarily see that discussion reported on uh on your report. So I think for us, it's more about understanding that brand can help us in all the marketing we do. If you have a strong brand and if we're performing quite well there, I think you're most likely going to see an uplift across all your marketing channels and all your marketing efforts. So it's definitely a, an investment in the long term that I think supports your day-to-day uh, tactics and, and your um, other marketing channels. So yeah, I think I'm fully with Louis on, on that. And I think most things Louis says, I'm happy to agree with because I'm a huge fan of him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's dive into your use of MarTech again and ask you as your business grows, um, what's an example of a process that you currently do manually that you may wish to automate using marketing technology in the future? Yeah, well, I think one we spoke about is webinar signup. So let's try try and figure that out maybe after this call (laughs) uh, with the team. But I think uh, kind of following from the brand discussion, one thing that we are uh, looking at and are going to start is uh, our own podcast soon. So uh, you mentioned earlier that I've been running a podcast in the past. So I know a few things about that already. And we're going to start one at Supermetrics. And I think podcasting is quite an interesting space when it comes to MarTech because I think more brands, more marketers, both on the B2C and B2B side uh, are getting into podcasts. And I think we're at now with podcasts where we were with blogs maybe 10, 15 years ago. Um, And so there's still a lot of opportunities. And I think it's more about going niche and and really finding, carving out your corner um, within the podcasting space. Um, But the technology is quite fragmented. So we are basically going to be looking at Hangouts or Zoom for recording then uh, something like GarageBand or something similar for editing and stitching things together, most probably hosting on Anchor, using something like Rev for transcribing the uh, audio. So it's, again, kind of patching things together. And then what we're thinking is, can we somehow automate a lot of that? There's there's a lot of manual things involved. And one thing I discovered last week is a product called Descript, uh, which is uh, Descript.com. And I think it's from Andrew Mason, the guy behind Groupon, which looks like a, a pretty impressive all-in-one podcasting SaaS solution. So all those things from recording, 
uh, editing, hosting, uh, analytics, transcribing, uh, a lot of other things, it seems that they can take care of that. So um, I think a lot of manual work could be saved uh, by that. So let, let's see, we're, we're going to test things out with the, the basic setup. And then if, if it's something that works for us, we might look to double down and invest more on specific technologies. And I guess you're, yourself, David, know a bit about podcast technologies. I'd, well. I'd like to, to think so. Yes, there's um, <laughs> been a, a big um, pickup, certainly in the popularity of podcasting recently. I started my first podcast in 2006, actually. So um, before the dinosaurs. Wow. And, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> and um, yeah, that, was, that was shortly after podcasting became available on iTunes. Um, so that's that's what really um, enabled the average listener to be able to subscribe to a podcast. It was still very, very difficult um, to do so. You had to have an iPod and um, plug that into your computer and then the content would sync across from your computer to your iPod. And that, that's the way you'd listen to, to podcasts back then. It was really the advent of the smartphone and maybe from about 2012 onwards um, when... Uh, you know, Android was more in use and um, um, more progressive iPhones started to launch and you could get podcasts directly on your phone that podcasting started to pick up. But um, talking about figures, um, blogging passed uh, a million blogs, uh, I think roughly in the year 2004, 2005 or so, which was about the year that podcasting was really uh, being born. Um, podcasts um, this year, in April of this year, surpassed one million podcasts. Um, so that we're only at the stage now, as you exactly pointed out, that podcasting was about uh, that. Sorry, that blogging was about fifteen years ago or so. Uh, however, it's now increasing at about two hundred fifty thousand podcasts per month. So, so fairly rapidly at the moment. Um, wow. But, but also, as you pointed out, um, there's a lot of technology that goes into producing a decent podcast. You need to be think about your audio quality, your guests' audio quality, stitching everything together, editing everything, getting everything transcribed, hopefully as well, and doing it in a manner that um, that, that is, is perfect and doesn't um, just rely on uh, automation as well. So to do it well, it, it takes a lot, a lot of effort. So I'm, I'm glad you've pointed that out as, as, as well. So we've we've talked a lot about the current Martech that you use, an area perhaps that um, you could currently augment your current activities by maybe improving your use of Martech. Uh, but what about the future, or um, what about marketing technology in general? Um, is there uh, another challenge that you're facing uh, at the moment, or an opportunity that you see uh, to create a new? piece of marketing technology that doesn't even exist yet, but you would love to see created? Good question. And I think it falls on nicely from what we're just speaking about regarding podcasts, because I, I really feel that podcasts could be very big in, in marketing going forward. And one part of that puzzle that I don't think anyone's really solved yet is the, the podcast analytics problem. Uh, you often have data that is siloed on different platforms and depending where you host depends on what sort of analytics you have available um so maybe descript will solve that again i'm not sure i haven't really dug into it too much um or maybe it's something we could build out at supermetrics by having integrations with different podcasting platforms so that no matter what you could then pull data from uh different podcast players uh see how your 
podcasts are performing on Apple Podcasts versus Google versus Spotify, et cetera. Whether that's available through APIs, I'm not sure, but just thinking out loud. But I think in general, I would love to see a better solution when it comes to podcasting analytics. And I think if you're uh, particularly uh, using advertising in your podcasts and selling maybe advertising space, that's very important to know. Where do you get drop-off points and and so forth? But even um, for podcast hosts to understand what kind of topics work well, which, which ones don't and so forth, uh, where do people drop off? Uh, would be super interesting comparing performance across different audiences, different locations, different players. Uh, so for me, I, I would like to see someone kind of solve the, the podcasting analytics problem. Great. Okay. Well, I won't bite any further in terms of the podcast discussion. Otherwise, we'll be here all day. Um, yeah. But, um, <laughs> Two podcasters talking about podcasting on a podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yes. It's going to uh, going to get strange. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Edward, you, you've shared a lot of um, great thoughts uh, in a conversation today about uh, MarTech in general. Um, a, a lot of, um, I, th I think, key insights for, for, for marketers as well. Um, would you say that there's one thought that you've shared um, that you'd like to, to, to leave the listener with as a, as a key takeaway with uh, from today's discussion? Yeah, I'm not sure if we've spoken about it yet, but I think one thing that I always like to reinforce when talking about marketing technology or, or technology in general is that it should always follow strategy. So a lot of people love to ask me, hey, what are your top marketing tools or what does your MarTech stack look like? And I often have these conversations without the context of our strategy. And so I think you must always think strategy first with marketing. So understanding who you're trying to target what are you trying to communicate? What messaging and how are you best going to reach them? And then your marketing technology stack should really just help you do that. And it should just make your life a bit easier, basically. So it's always strategy first, tools, technology, tactics second. Uh, and I think that's always good to keep in mind when talking about marketing technology. Absolutely. I, I think that's a great thought to to, to to leave everyone with. So, um, so thank you so much. Um, yeah, th thanks, Phil much for your time and your tips. What's the best way for the listener to find out more about you and what you do? So the best place to, to connect and find out more would be LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there and always open to connecting with fellow marketers. So definitely drop me a connection request. Uh, any questions, you can drop me a message there. Uh, Twitter as well. You can follow me at Nordic Edward. So I think those are probably the best two places to get in touch with me. And of course, uh, if you want to check out Supermetrics, uh, then you can check that out at supermetrics.com. Wonderful stuff. Thanks again. Perfect. Thank you so much, David. This was a lot of fun. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us. If you haven't done so already, sign up for your free trial of Content Cal. Plan, collaborate on, approve and publish your content in one simple and intuitive calendar interface. Plus, check out all the other MarTech Stack Show episodes over at contentcal.io. Also, wherever you're watching or listening to the show, let us know your opinion. What are the three most important marketing technologies in your business? Let us know and we'll try and give you a shout out on a future show or maybe even have you on as a future guest. Thanks again. <laughs>